With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts. Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, excuse my language, but holy shit. What a game between the Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers. The Avs win six to five in overtime on the second half of a back to back down three, nothing in the second period and down five to three in the third period. They come all the way back to win it six to five after beating St. Louis four to one on the road the night before and the Avalanche all of a sudden they're rolling now, even with the tough schedule, with all the back to backs, they're finding ways to win games. This was a brutal one. This is easily one that could have just been punted away in the second period, down three nothing. Georgiev just didn't have it tonight. They still come all the way back to do it. It was I, I called myself out on Twitter and I think we both can be open and honest here. We were both texting like when we went down three nothing like, yeah, this game's probably over. Yeah. Um we've said this multiple times on the show before. We're idiots. Like we, we are not smart. Um so I am perfectly fine owning myself in that moment because the Avs in this game against the Oilers, they were not great. Like their details weren't great, but they just battled and found a way to win this game. Just, I, I know you said the wild win was probably your favorite of the year so far. I think this one passes it. The, the wild one was ridiculously lucky. Let's be very honest with ourselves. We did not deserve to win that game. Georgiev stole that game. This was probably the most entertaining game of the season. In terms of process, not my favorite, but you don't argue with the way you get two points, especially not when you're down three to nothing and you find a way to do it. Yeah, and- just real quick before we go here, Kale McCarr, uh, Peter Baugh just tweeted out, uh, his injury is not head-related. Okay, that changes a lot of this discussion. So, yep. you know what? We're just going to jump right into that right before we hop into this. Sorry, I just know, but that's breaking news as of right no, now. No, no, good. Thank you for bringing that up. And so I guess we can just hop right into that. I was going to talk about that before we talked about the Oilers game anyway. Kale McCarr did not play in this game against the Oilers. I am all over the place right now. I sound like I'm on a, <laughs> I sound like I'm on a sugar high. I kind of am for the most part after that game. But Kale McCarr did not play in this game against the Oilers uh, in the third period against St. Louis. The Avs are on a power play. The Blues dump the puck out. Kale steps up to make a play on Torpchenko to stop a breakaway. Torpchenko 
is this is not Torpchenko's fault. This is not at all in the same category as Jeff Carter. His hand comes up and kind of it punches him in the face. And Kale leaves the game, does not return. And it looked like he said after the game that his visor hit him in the nose. So that makes a lot more sense now that you're saying that. I was worried that he came back in the game and same thing in Pittsburgh. He got cleared only to have symptoms the next day. So when it was announced before the game, he wasn't playing. It's pretty safe to assume that most of us thought that that's what it was, but it's not good to not have Kale McCarr, but it's good to, at very least to know it's not concussion related. Yeah, that's great news to see. Um, but yeah, like you said, nothing Torpchenko can do on that play. Like that's just a good hockey play. It's kind of a freak incident. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean, like, Kale initiated contact on that right. play. It was a good play to make. He made the right play and it, it was an unfortunate result. Yeah, unfortunate result. So um, that's good news that Kale McCarr, not at this time, I think that's key phrasing by Bednar, not at this time is it head-related, which you would think we're almost, what, 24 hours removed from the injury, a little bit past 24 hours, um, that he probably would develop symptoms of a concussion by this point. Once again, we're not head specialists, but at this time saying he doesn't have a head injury seems pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, well... They say not the head. I mean, if he broke his nose, that's technically on the head. Right. But they mean, well, it's more face. Yeah. It's more Con- face. Concussion related, I think, is right. what we're going for there. But ultimately, Kale McCarr did not play in this game after returning to play against the Blues, a game he played pretty well in. But the Avs, they had to make do on the second half of a back-to-back without Kale McCarr. But on the opposite end of things, Josh Manson does not play against the Blues but does play against the Oilers. That was planned. They don't want to rush him back too much after he's been gone for so long this season. So easing him back into things is pretty much the the gist of that, but he doesn't play against the Blues, does play against the Oilers. Now, why don't we just talk about this whole Oilers game first? I see no point talking about the Blues game before that. (laughs) This was an incredible game that could have gone so horrifically bad for the Avs. And for the first part of this game, was going horrible for them very bad very bad and you can't really even blame like the abs had their chances they went what over three in the first period on the power yep. play they got the first completely power like... plays of this game first four power plays of this game and they failed on all of them three of them in the first period two of them back to back from warren fogel and they did not generate much fogel comes out of the box a second time and not even five minutes later puts the puck in the back of the net because hockey because hockey <laughs> that's how it goes. But what I did love is ESPN pumping the tires of like, whenever Warren Fogel scores, his team wins. <laughs> JK, they just fucking lost. So suck on that ESPN. Yeah. And him and his seven goals he had before this game, very wide sample size. Yeah. Like I, it was just driving me crazy. I feel like they did not mention that the abs were on the second half of a back-to-back until the very end of the game. Well, cause it, well, cause then it looks, makes the Oilers look good if they pull that off. And then once the abs start coming back, then it's second half of a back-to-back. Right. Right. But that was just annoying. It was just a suck fest for the Oilers and uh, very funny that the Oilers have no now blown back to back games with having three goal leads. Very funny. God, they've done that a lot recently. So as much as I want to say this was special for the Avs to do, this might just be an Oilers thing yeah, going on might, right now. But very well might be. And we've talked about it. I remember the last time we played the uh, played the Oilers. I just I, I want to like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but there's just something about both of them that I just hate their guts. Like, I just despise those two. 
I mean, Drysaddle more than McDavid for me. McDavid just seems so lifeless that there really isn't anything to hate or like in that category. He just he's just kind of there, you know, just so empty. He is just so empty. I just don't know why. Like those guys just drive me up a wall. Um, just the Oilers as a franchise drive me up the wall. And like, if it wasn't, if we didn't play them in the playoffs, I don't think I'd have any disdain towards them, but it's just because we played them in the playoffs and they whined and bitch so fucking much that I and just said, and then they said we were doing that because we right. Won. Right. Like I just, it drives me crazy. So I think the Oilers are slowly creeping up into my top. Well, they're definitely our top five most hated teams to play against, but man, like the Oilers are still just, the Oilers when it all comes down to it. Yeah. They're always going to be annoying whether they're good or they're bad, but the abs three power plays in the first period, they come up empty on all of them. Warren Fogle with the only goal of the period, the Oilers have a one, nothing lead. You get to the second period. It's Warren Fogle again, his second goal of the game, just a, a miscommunication. Looks like Comfort just was trying to find a guy with Gerard and neither of them took him. Fogle gets free. Nurse finds him wide open. It's two nothing. I mean, this was not at all a good defensive hockey game or goaltending hockey game for that matter on either side. No, <laughs> there were so many defensive breakdowns in this game. It was, it was pretty comical uh, at some points, but uh, yeah, I mean, Warren Fogle, he just, he scored two big goals and I don't know. I mean, Darnell nurse made a nice play. The abs got kind of pinned in their own zone in that moment. Um, but you just can't have that defensive breakdown. I know you're tired at the end of a long shift, but you can't have that defensive breakdown in front of Georgiev. Yeah, I mean, having a guy get lost that easy in front of the net, I mean, just can't happen. But the Avs, they get another power play shortly after this. Nugent Hopkins hooking on Val Nichushkin. This one, again, was not very good once again. And then right after the power play expires, the Oilers go the other way. Nugent Hopkins sets up Dreisaitl. It's 3 nothing Edmonton. We're texting each other like... I don't think this team's going to be scoring too much today. Maybe no. they will a little bit, but this seems a little much to climb out of. Yeah, it seemed like a little much. And like we said earlier in the show, we we both kind of had accepted it. I thought it was going to be another Tampa game where it's just like, can we just get this game over with, please? Like, just don't let anyone get hurt. Let's just rest up and get ready to get uh, go to Winnipeg and face them. Um, but kudos to the Avs. They, they didn't quit uh, the, shortly after that goal. It looked like Nathan McKinnon score, but we were both looking at the score sheet and it showed that JT Comfer got it. So it was 3-1 Avs. I, I'll have to watch the replay of it. I didn't see it get tipped by JT Comfer, but apparently the NHL scorebook did. So that's JT Comfer's 11th of the year. His first of, like Griffin was saying, four points tonight for JT Comfer. Um, just continues his unreal play that he's been having over these past all year, pretty much all year. How many games um, have he played? Comfer's been good in all of them. Yeah. So he was rock solid. And I did love what Bednar did in this game. He mixed up the lines a little bit, put new hook up with uh, Rodriguez and uh, Rantanen and bumped JT down to that third to get the better matchup. And it worked out well um, because JT Confer was phenomenal all game. Yeah, this this was definitely one of Confer's best games of the season. I mean, it's easy to say that, especially when you're picking up four points, but everything was there. For Comfort tonight, McKinnon makes the whole play happen. Gerard gets the secondary assist. Comfort just ends up getting the goal out of it, but it's enough to get the abs on the board. And even even still at that point, getting one, even in the back of your mind, you're like, is the Oilers, and they are currently playing Jack Campbell. You can you can tie this game, definitely. And then shortly after that, the abs 
come back again. And McKinnon, Nachushkin tries to find Nieto, goes off of Cody CeCe's skate and into the net. And just like that, it's three to two. This is a wide open game once again. This was a great high effort play from the Avs. Yeah, it was great because it got started with McKinnon in the neutral zone. He drops it to Val. McKinnon continues to drive the net, takes that other defender out, and the Avs get a lucky break. They do. I mean, but I still think if that pass gets through, Nieto scores. Um, but for Val Nachushkin, that's goals in back-to-back games. Uh, what Evan tweeted out and what he talked about on the show with us, that's his only a second even strength goal this year, which is crazy to think about. Um but like you said, it, it got the abs back in this game and you felt, here we go. Like This is when it's really going to get fun. Um, but honestly, just if we can get Val going and he can just play like a like – he hasn't had that all year where he's gotten to play like a 15-game stretch to really get his flow going. So let's just keep our fingers crossed he stays healthy and can really get going because what we've seen these past two games is more like the Val that we've been waiting to see. Yeah, he's looked a lot better. Still looks – just a little bit of a step slow. I still think something is nagging him with that lower body, but as long as he's getting on the board, as long as he's making all the right plays, it doesn't matter how banged up he is. He's a smart-ass hockey player, and he's just going to continue to get plays in the right place. Obviously not what he was intending to do on this play, but Cody Cece, like you said, Nieto puts that into a wide-open cage if that pass gets through. Av score either way, but Val gets the goal. His second even strength goal this season, his 10th goal of the season. We've, we've talked about how he struggled a bit. The fact that he still has 10 goals in 27 games when he's missed this much time, still pretty ridiculous. Pretty solid. I think there's a backdoor chance he gets to 20 this year. I really do. Um, but he's getting going, which is what you need. And you thought Avs had all the momentum. And I think they did. They did. Uh, but for the Avs, the, the goaltending, Alexander Yorgiev, he made the saves when he needed to but definitely not one of his strongest performances uh, mm-hmm. because he gives up a late goal to Tyson Berry to make it 4-2. Um, I don't know. I, I don't love this goal. I, I get there's a little bit of traffic in front, but there's there's one body in front of him. He's got to make that save. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could just have the Georgiev conversation for the game as a whole. This was obviously not even close to his best performance of the season. He gives up five all at even strength, finishes with an 875, 35 saves on 40 shots. I think the first three, I I thought they were okay. I thought those were defensive breakdowns. I thought there wasn't a ton he could do. You know, maybe you want to save on one of them. The Barry one, there's a lot of traffic, but that's still one you want to get. And... We can talk about the third period after this. McKinnon, 26 seconds in, cuts the lead to one again. You're really feeling the momentum now. You've got Jack Campbell up against the ropes. And then right after that, McKinnon loses Mateus Yanmark, and no one touches him. He just walks right up the middle and, and slaps it right through Georgiev. It was a defensive breakdown, but before on that McKinnon goal where he scored to make it a one-goal game, that play by Josh Manson where he like jumped like five feet in the air, oh, yeah. it seems, and makes a terrific play, uh, that was unreal. And then McKinnon's shot was just chef's kiss beauty. Um, but then shortly after that, like you said, I don't know what Nathan McKinnon was doing on this goal um, to Matias Yamark. It looks like he just straight up got lost yeah. in the play. I, I watched it a couple times because I wasn't sure how exactly that happened. I was like, there, there had to have been something McKinnon was trying to cover. He just got lost yeah. on the play. I really don't know how else to describe it. He was com- just completely out of position. And Gerard was like stunned. Like, what, where are you going? And dude, and he's not sure what to do. Cause there's a guy in front of the net. He doesn't want to leave him wide open. 
And so Yanmark just walks right down the middle. It's a defensive breakdown for sure. But Georgiev saw this one the whole way. I don't I didn't love it from him. Not entirely his fault. But if it wasn't Jack Campbell in the other net, that that could have been the backbreaker. It could have been. But I don't know. Like you would love a save on that. I love how aggressive he was, but he just got beat to the glove side. Like you need to make that like you. I won't say you need to make that save. That's a save you would really like to have um, because it's not like he was right in front of the net. He was above the circles, wasn't he? He, he wasn't. Yeah. He, it, it's a pretty basic wrist shot that he should make the save on. He just whiffed on it. Um, and the abs go down 5-3. But after that, Georgiev made some massive, massive saves. Uh, the biggest one being the one on uh, Kyler Yamamoto uh, on a breakaway. He made a great save on that. Um but I think that's what you mentioned a couple episodes ago, just about with Georgiev, he doesn't let these like shaky performances like rattle him. He just continues to play hard and he makes the saves and he bounced back really well from those goals because like we said, he wasn't great tonight, but he still found a way to get the team a win. Yeah. I mean, there were certainly times that you want to save. You didn't get one. All of a sudden the abs are fighting back again. And then he does give you that big save. That's the save that Jack Campbell did not give the Oilers. He got one, but sort of gave up another one shortly after that. You had Georgiev give you the save that you needed. This was a game where it was first save wins. First big save wins the game. They got that one from Georgiev on Yamamoto. Not his best night. There's no arguing that. This was not his best night, but that happens over the course of an 82-game season. And the fact that you can survive one of Georgiev's just nights where he's not very good with no Kale McCarr, still with no Gabe Landeskog in the lineup and come out of that on the second half of a back-to-back with two points. That's easily one of the most impressive things they've done this season. Yeah. And didn't it feel like for the first time this year where the Avs, they did not play their best, but they found a way to win. It felt like for the first time all year where they really, ju- that was just a gutsy win. Yeah, They did not play great and they found a way to win. Yeah. It felt nostalgic to last year a bit where sometimes things are just going wrong, but the team finds a way to get the job done. We haven't really said that a lot this season. They just found a way to do it. We said they've taken care of business every now and again, but there really hasn't been a game where it's just, you just got to figure it out and you just got to find a way. That's exactly what they did in this game. Logan O'Connor on that fourth goal on the beautiful play by Byram and Comfort, just jamming at that puck, just squeaks it over the line past Jack Campbell. Hardworking goal. So great to see Logan O'Connor back on the board again. That guy works so hard every single night. It's so great to see him finally get rewarded as well. Huge goal to get the Avs back in this game. That seemed like it kind of slowed down for a little bit. You had that save from Georgiev, and or that was before the O'Connor goal, but the game kind of slowed down after this a little bit. It seemed like the Oilers were starting to lock it down. Then the Avs started to get the ball rolling. Once again, JT Kompfer set up by Gerard, deflected by Arturi Lekkinen, tie game, the place going absolutely nuts what a goal yeah what a goal that logan o'connor one i the play that bo byram made on that to get that on net was just fantastic great two games for bo byram loc scores and i 
I would have been livid because you heard Brian Boucher talking on the broadcast about how that may be goaltender interference. If that was goaltender interference, I would have I would have quit watching hockey because yeah. that would have been the most ridiculous goaltender interference call I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that would have been goaltender interference for bad goaltending. He never had that puck covered at any point. It's just bad goaltending from Jack Campbell. O'Connor stays with it the whole way, cuts the lead to one. Lekkonen ties the game at five with under five minutes to play. I don't know about you, but I just, you knew they were going to win this game. Even if it did get dragged down to overtime and you're playing McDavid and Drysdale, you just knew that the way the Oilers have been going lately, this is going to be in their head. The abs, they're rolling right now. They were absolutely going to win this game. Yeah, they were rolling. And I loved having Arturi Lekin and JT Comfort on the line. Don't they just seem like two like rats to play against? Like that, that just, that's just a hardworking line. And the Avs actually won a face-off to set up that play, which was massive because they had not been good in the face-off circle all day. They win that face-off. JT Comfort, he pulled the Nathan McKinnon play. That's the Nathan McKinnon play we're used to seeing where he fades to the top of the blue line and Lekkonen gets a deflection and you tie it at five. Um, and like you said, I don't know if I was feeling that we were going to win this game. I was more focused on hold on and get a point. <laughs> um, and they, they did that. I feel like they had a couple more chances. Uh, the abs did in those final couple minutes, but we eventually went to overtime and as bad as the Tampa Bay Colorado overtime was earlier last week, this one is the reason why you should extend it to 10 minute yes. three on three overtime. The, the Tampa one was an anomaly. That was the worst overtime I've ever seen followed by one of the best I've ever seen. If this game ended in a shootout, that would have been an absolute travesty for a game this good with this kind of talent, with these kind of players, 5-5, five, five, and you're going to a shootout? Uh-uh. Miko Rantanen says, hell no. Ends the game in overtime. The Avs win 6-5 to five after an incredible sequence from Jack Campbell on Nathan McKinnon and Devon Tays. First of all, before we talk about the Rantanen goal, Nathan McKinnon burning Connor McDavid at 3-on-3 three three and almost ending it was chef's kiss. Holy hell. What a play. That was awesome. That was a great, I mean, McKinnon was on fire all game long. He he, he could have once again had like, he should have had two goals. I still don't, I still don't believe that JT Comfort tipped in that first one. Um, but he could have had three goals in this game. And didn't it just kind of feel like, all right, Jack Campbell's made some big saves. If we can get one more chance, we're going to get one past him. Like we can do this. And Miko, another, the way they won this game, they won a face off. And Miko Rantanen gets the puck. He burns. Was it Darnell Nurse around of the course, corner? Of course it was a Darnell was. Nurse. Who wouldn't it have been? Yeah. Burns him around the corner, waits out Jack Campbell, gets his 36th of the year. Am I right there? 36th? Um, and that was just a poetic ending to just a fantastic hockey game. Um, and these two teams seem again to be on kind of a collision course in the playoffs, whether that's in the wild card one of them is in wild card. One of them is in the uh, division race. They seem like they're on a collision course and sign me up for another game, another series of that, because these two teams are really, they play just fun hockey games. Yeah. Like both just forget how to play defense when these two teams match up. I mean, name a time in the last two years that these two teams have not delivered when they play each other, even though the abs kicked the shit out of the Oilers and swept them. That was an incredible playoff series for right. four games, eight to six in game one. Are you kidding me? Game four of that series does not get enough credit for being the absolute classic that it was. The Avs, what a game that was coming all the way back, winning that early in overtime. And I don't know, man, as much as I want to be like, well, the Oilers, they have Connor McDavid in the way he's playing right now. 
Now they're blowing leads too. And there's finding ways to give away points when they should be absolutely running away with the Pacific. Cause you oh. can't, you can't use goaltending as an excuse anymore. Stuart Skinner has been fine. And Jack Campbell was bad in this game and has been kind of iffy most of the season. He's been all right, mostly in his last he stretch. He's 8 and 2 in this previous 10 games. Yeah. He's giving them wins. I just, I don't understand how the Oilers are not absolutely sprinting away with the Pacific right now. And that gives me pause because now, even if they don't blow a lead the rest of the season, this stretch is going to stick in their mind in the playoffs. They're not a team that deserves to be like, yeah, well, we're better than this based on no. what? I'm thinking about it now. How fun would a Kraken versus Oilers playoff matchup be in the first round? That would be so much fun. There's so many possibilities for the Pacific still, because you still have the Kings who I'm not even convinced are that good because they don't have, they have the worst goal goaltending in the NHL. And they're still right there with the division lead. Vegas, I feel like is just kind of hanging on by default now. And the Oilers can't finish a game anymore. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. NBA fans, it's time to bring back the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. All you have to do, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place in a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. I'm not going to pretend to be a basketball guy, but those Denver Nuggets... They're looking like some free money right now. If you want to get in on the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, you can download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Now, Back to the episode. The Pacific is going to be fun. Like that bracket is going to be a fun side of the bracket in the playoffs. Um, but I mean, the Oilers, yeah, th this is a tough loss because <laughs> the abs kind of took their soul in this game. It feels like, because this felt like a game, the Oilers were super up for and the abs did not play great, but they still found a way to win. And this has to be a little bit crushing for them. Just a little bit. Absolutely. Especially after that Rangers game. Earlier in the week, especially after they couldn't hold on against Detroit, you come into Colorado, the team that beat you in the playoffs last year badly in a sweep, and they've already had a comeback win on you in your own building to end a losing streak of their own. They're missing Kale McCarr. Should also mention the Oilers did not have a Vander Kane in this game, you know. Wah, wah. Okay. Yeah. But you have them. It's three nothing. That's five to three in the third period. You you, you need to finish that game every single time. Getting a point out of that is not enough, especially considering where they are in the race right now. I think you're totally right. This is a loss that's going to stick with them for a while because I don't think we play each other again until April. Yeah, not till April. Not We're getting close to the end of the season. Um, but I did want to touch on this. I don't know if you noticed this in that overtime. I thought something really cool happened. Not really cool, but I it's something I've been wanting to see for a while. Did you see Alex Newhook got a shift in that overtime period? I did, and he I, looked good. His skill level fits for overtime. I think the only reason he's not out there is maybe his defense isn't the greatest, 
But doesn't he just scream like a player who can score in three on three overtime? And this yeah. was, it seemed like the first time that he's been used in overtime. Yeah. His skill set definitely translates to three on three. If you give him some space, he's going to make you pay. And I love the way Alex Newhook has been developing this season. It hasn't always been easy. He was relied on way too much in December when we were dealing with having basically the Eagles in the lineup. But now that you're seeing a pretty healthy team in the mix right now, he's playing a role that he's comfortable with, and he's starting to gain the trust of Bednar. And it's showing with stuff like that. This is a massive game, a massive point in overtime, and Bednar's trusting him in that role, and he played really well. He did. He played really good. So I, I just wanted to touch on that before uh, we moved on to the next game. But it, Newhook, his development probably hasn't been as fast as Avs fans would have wanted it to be. But he's showing signs of improvement every single game. Like, I think next year is when we really see the Alex Newhook jump. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, the stuff like Newhook's not developing as fast as we want. I think this is just normal. Right. I think, you know, not everyone's going to be, well, they're 30 points the next season, then they jump to 80. I don't know if Newhook's ever going to be an 80 point player and that's fine. I think he is a very strong ceiling second line forward on this team. And for a 22 year old, I think he's playing damn good hockey. I don't think you can ask for a much faster development than what you've gotten, especially after Martin Kaut were complaining about new hook. New hooks at least been a factor lately. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to give Alex Newhook's break because he did play. This was I know he did probably didn't get any points in this game, but he played a damn good hockey game in this game. Um, and it was good to see Bednar give him a little bit more uh, responsibility. Um, there was one other player in attendance for the Avs in this game uh, for the first time all year. Uh, Mr. Gabriel Landeskog, uh, the captain who has been um, – Lurking in the shadows mysteriously. No one really knew where Gabe Landeskog was. Oh, blah, blah, blah. he was in the building for this game with his kids. It seems as if the return is nearing for him. Yes. It was reported by Leah Hextall before the game that this week or this coming week, Landeskog is going to start skating. And that puts him on track for about a mid-March return. And also, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Avs have their best comeback of the season the moment Gabe Landeskog steps foot in the building again. I don't I don't think that's... Don't you just envision that in between the second intermission, Gabe Landeskog comes stalking in in his suit and tie and goes, you're going to fucking win this game. Like, I, I just have that envisionment. I don't, I, was, I, don't think he, I don't think he needed to say anything. I think Bednar just pointed at him in the press <laughs> box and said, look who is that. It's dad. He's home. Go win it. here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I just envisioned Landis Cog. That's just how I envisioned him going down, like stalking in there. Bednar, shut up. I got this. <laughs> like, you guys are playing. You <laughs> just envisioned that for Landis Cog. The, the, the way I picture it is exactly what I said. He's up in the press box, but like the light is like really bright around him. <laughs> it's like and him and Sackick right there. Yeah, just, just no one else. He just, he just has like a holy glow around him, and, every, <laughs> and everyone can just hear the angels singing and everything. And all of a sudden, team just magically comes back. After that, I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence at all, but that is great news. Mid-March, it seems like they finally got a timeline right for him, um, and that's going to be huge because Gabe Landeskog is what, a top 10 left wing in this NHL, maybe top five, yeah. if and, you really want to look at it. And, you know, and even if he comes back and he's slow, let, let, let's say he comes back and he gets three goals the entire season, just having Gabe back in the lineup alone gives this team such a tremendous boost across the ice. Even if Gabe is slow, 
everyone else's production is going to start going through the roof. He brings such an important factor of leadership to this team that I think this team is needed. That There have been points in this season where if Gabe is in the lineup or around, I don't think a lot of those losing streaks happen. I think they snap out of it a lot earlier, way before it ever reaches Chicago. Yeah, Way before. Um, and we're going to have to treat Landy when he comes back in March because there's probably going to be, what, like 15 games left before the end of the season? Yeah, like if we're saying there. mid-March, I look at that back-to-back of Toronto and Ottawa. That is pretty much right at the midpoint of March. I think so, it comes back well, after that. Yeah, probably, but I'm just looking at the midpoint of March. You're probably looking at, I don't know, one, two, three, four weeks of hockey left. That's his training camp in preseason. Yeah, Like you said, we, we we do not need Gabe Landeskog to come in and be the Gabe Landeskog that we know. We need him to just get ready for the playoffs, the right. important part. Um, so that's how we got. We just got to have that mentality when it comes to Gabe. He, knowing Gabe, he'll probably score in the first game just because oh that's, how, he'll score that's on his how first. He he'll score on his first shift and the yeah. bench will blow up. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. But that's how we have to treat this for Gabe Landeskog. Those, those last four weeks, that's his training camp. That's his preseason. He gets ready for the playoffs. Um but with the good news with Gabe Landeskog, we also got some bad news, which is crazy. Like, why did these all come out during the ESPN game? Like, it, it just shows the national television stuff. Uh, Eric Johnson officially has a broken ankle. Um, that blows. That really stinks. Uh, you would imagine. I don't know how long, like how severe the broken ankle is, but doesn't that seem like four or five months? Right. That, that seems at bare minimum. You're not back in the regular yeah. season. And even if he is ready, and we're not talking about LTIR here, we'll talk about it, but I'm just talking purely for where EJ is at in his career right now. Why would you rush him back? If you rush him back from that, you're getting EJ who's, whose legs are already starting to go. He's not the fastest player in the world. He never really was. And now that he's up there, you're rushing him back from a broken ankle. I just, I don't see why you would do that. I, you try to get him back in the playoffs if possible, but that's a rough blow to take. That shot, uh, which game was that one again? Florida. Yeah, the Florida game. He takes that shot off the ankle, unfortunately breaks it. I I don't see how he's back in the regular season. That's not something you can hurry, and I, I hope he comes back for the playoffs. I'll put it like that. I hope, but ha- having sprained my own ankle before a couple of years ago in a very – manly way in uh gym volleyball no, I, I know how painful bad. i know how painful that is and that, that was a sprain i didn't break my ankle yeah. and i was out of commission for a little bit you so. don't have to squeeze it into an ice skate <laughs> um i i don't know it, it's it's weird because when i hear broken ankle or any broken bone i just think that's months of healing um and we're talking the playoffs start in two and a half months yeah, which is crazy like, to think about that. We're already maybe like not even two and a half, might just be two months out, right? Yeah. Like I, I just hear that and I think that's I don't think Eric Johnson's gonna be available for the playoffs, which now changes your whole entire trade deadline. Cause now you probably need to add another defenseman into the group. Yeah. And if he is out until the playoffs, you do have to talk about the business side is that EJ is six million dollars and there is no salary cap in the playoffs. So if he is out until the playoffs, all of a sudden, $6 million just opened up for you to work with. That's not an 
you know, I don't want to frame that as a good thing because obviously you want Eric Johnson healthy, but you do have to try to make some sort of light of this however you can. And if that does work out that way, it does make the trade deadline, I don't want to say easier because it doesn't give them like a second round pick back or anything. They still have to find a way to make those trades work, but you don't have to pull off any caption shenanigans. Well, I guess this kind of is a caption shenanigans, but you don't have to like do what the the Leafs did in the O'Reilly trade, which we'll talk about where you get Minnesota involved and have them retain 25%. So it's 75% and stuff like that. It makes that process a lot more streamlined if that's the case. And I don't feel like necessarily bad about using LTIR for EJ's case because he's legitimately injured. He has a broken ankle. Like that's a legitimate injury. Um, so I don't feel bad about using the LTIR. The Landy one was kind of wishy-washy to me because it's like, yeah, how Landy, serious of knee surgery yeah. did he have? Like the Landy that one, like that that one didn't. It, mid-March to the end of the regular season is a pretty big gap. When we were talking right. like January and December right. in the beginning of the season, this is an injury that happened. Broken ankle. Using the medical degree I got from Google, they take about six to eight weeks to heal, but sometime sometimes can be longer. You never know. No two injuries are the same. So I imagine he's not back for the regular season. Things can change. We have seen that before. Things can change and your ankles healing a lot faster. All of a sudden he's back in April. The Avs, they're probably going to need an answer over the next couple of days on what they're going to do with him though, because trade deadline's coming up soon. We are less than two weeks away. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. But the this trade deadline, I think, is going to be so boring because all the big moves are already being made. Um, but I think there's some interesting pieces because like we were talking about, it adds the abs are going to probably have to add a defenseman now um, at the deadline, which I don't think they were originally planning to uh, with EJ being out. So I mean, I mean, we'll have to see. The defense has not been healthy all season. No. Even if I think even if they did have a healthy defense, I think you should probably invest in a little bit of insurance because right. I, I like Andreas Anglin, but if another guy goes down in the playoffs, all of a sudden we're talking Curtis McDermott comes back or Brad Hunt, Brad Hunt. Yep. and then we're going down that rabbit hole. So I wouldn't be opposed to a little more insurance. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but did you have any other thoughts on the Oilers game before we move on to oh. the Blues game, which seems like it was three days ago at this point? Yeah, comprehensible thoughts on the Oilers game? Not many. That it was, uh, that game was on crack. What a game! What a comeback! What a finish for the Abs! They get four of four on the back-to-back. Hold Connor McDavid to one point and a minus one. This was a very weird game where the Oilers almost won it based on their depth scoring, which I don't think has happened all season. But they don't get the job done. The Abs come back again, again. What a win! That's just that's something I think is really gonna propel this team the rest of the it's a gutsy way. win. It's a gutsy, gutsy win. Finding a way to win, which is, again, not something we've said a whole lot this season. The, yep. One of the things they showed me on the broadcast that surprised me, the Avs had, I believe, seven comeback wins, which was tied for, for second worst in the league. And I think that's something we talked about last couple seasons as well, is that the Avs, they had won so many games, they never had to come back in any of them. Then they started to do it last year toward down the stretch. They win a Stanley Cup out of it. And this year, they hadn't been winning a lot of games. They're still in third, but... They hadn't been able to come back in a ton of these games. They finally get one to go their way. This is, like you said, character win. This is going to be an injection of life, I think, for at least for the rest of the month. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, it, it's it's going to be – it's a shame we have to wait four days before they play again. Um, but 
probably some much needed R and R after this stretch. So we'll take it. Um, the game before the game on Saturday against the blues. Um, we had some hesitations about that game when we talked on the episode uh, last time. We did not expect Ryan O'Reilly to get traded the night before the game. Yeah, um, that that changed a few things. Ryan changed O'Reilly a few things. Traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I was I, I, that makes a lot of sense now that I've seen it. But I was not expecting the Leafs to be the team to get him. So the full deal before we get into the game is to the Leafs, Ryan O'Reilly for less than two million dollars against the cap because of shenanigans and Josh Pilar, as well as Nolachari in exchange for Adam Gaudet, Mikhail Abramov, a first, a third, and a second round pick, and Minnesota coming in here and retaining 50% or 25% of Ryan O'Reilly for a 2025 fourth round pick. So pretty big trade. The East is right now a nuclear arms race. I'm very, <laughs> yes. I am very glad the Avalanche are in the West right now. We have not seen a West team make a splash yet, which I'm a little surprised by as we're st- starting to get close to the deadline here. But you've seen Horvat to the Islanders, Tarasenko to the Rangers. Now you're seeing O'Reilly go to the Leafs. You also had the Rangers make another trade today. Tyler Mott going back to the Rangers in exchange for Julian Goche going back to the Senators. It's been a crazy trade deadline in the East, but... Uh, in the, in the West, not so much. Is the most significant trade Matt Nieto so far in the West? Is that I, the legit, most significant I legitimately trade? think it is. Actually, Jacob Magna going to the Kraken. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge groundbreaking stuff. But honestly, Matt Nieto definitely might be right now. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, yeah, it is a nuclear arms race in the East. The East is going to be fantastic to watch in these playoffs. There are like six legitimate teams I could see coming out of the East. Usually um, I hate rematches in the playoffs. Tampa-Toronto is fascinating. Yeah. That is such a horrible matchup for the Leafs. But eventually they have to win one. Eventually. The math, eventually they do. Curses be damned. Uh, the math says the law of averages suggests that one has to happen eventually that they win one playoff series. You got to keep your fingers by, crossed. Even by luck and nothing else. You've seen so many worse teams luck their way into one. Yeah. I mean, but then you also see teams like the Leafs and the Penguins who just have the worst luck when it comes to playoff series lately. Oh yeah. The uh, Penguins and their horrible playoff luck. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I like the move for Toronto. Uh, O'Reilly's a great player. He looks like he's fitting in well with the the Leafs right now. They're tied one one uh, with the Blackhawks as we're recording. Um, but it's a good move. But that helps the uh, that helps the Abs in this game against the Blues because that resulted in the Blues being really just a shell of themselves without O'Reilly, without Tarasenko. This game just kind of felt like don't fuck this up, Abs, and you'll win this game. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, this was very much a taking care of business day because now the Blues have sort of fallen into that lottery team that you don't want to lose to. feels weird to say like it's almost comparable to like the Ducks or the Coyotes, but this is not a very good team anymore. They're a tough team to play against, but this is not the team we played in the playoffs last year, and it was very evident in this game. The Avs... Early on, the Avs were playing really well. Bennington was holding them in early. Most important thing to say before we get too deep into this game, was not expecting this. Eustace Annanen makes his first star of the season, and I really like the way he played. He's got a lot of work to do, but I like what I saw. 
the Avs played great defense in front of him too, which I think is the the key. Um, it was like watching two different teams between this game and the Oilers game. Yeah. Because they kind of left Georgiev out to dry and an only faced what, like 20 shots this entire game. Yep. Exactly 20, but finishes so, with a 950. Yeah. He was great. Um, I definitely still think he's the future of this team. Uh, I agree with what Bednar said though. We're going to call him up. He's going to play. We can't just sit him on the bench. Like he needs to play. Uh, but he was good. I, I thought he made a couple big saves. I feel like the Avs made it really easy for him. Uh, there weren't a ton of high danger scoring chances. The one he gave up was just a good passing play, and it really probably shouldn't have even counted because the Blues had too many men on the ice, but they didn't yeah. call it. You know um, what? Let's just talk about that now. The yeah. the Sam Gerrard pile on after this goal I felt was really unfair. The Blues got away with the too many men on the ice, and I'm sorry that Gerrard did not anticipate that before making <laughs> this play. I know but he needs to, man. He needs to. He needs to anticipate they're going to throw six guys on the ice. I, I know I know Gerard is the whipping boy and he always has been, but God, can we just give it a rest? Like I'm almost looking forward to the idea that he might get traded because I'm so tired of hearing about it and having these conversations because it's so exhausting. Not everything the man does is his fault. Against the Oilers, I thought he played really well. He was really he made a great play in the overtime on McDavid. He, they, he was great. McDavid one for one in three on three overtime and stopped him even from getting a shot on net. He played really well in that game. And again, I feel like every time I look at the score sheet, Gerard's picked up another point. He's is been he, good, man. He's been good. Is he perfect? No. no. If he was two inches taller, you wouldn't care. If he was Andreas Englund's height, people would be like, this guy's the next big top four defenseman. Like, it's just the way it is. I've gotten used to it uh, with Gerard. Um, he has his flaws. Every player has their flaws. Um, but when he's producing offensively, there's no one else like him in the league because he he is a dynamic skater. He's good at moving the puck. Uh, this play, there was nothing he could do. They literally had six guys on the ice, and he actually did the right play. He cleared it to the boards. I don't think that would have been an icing. I think the Avs would have been able to make a change. But the Blues got away with too many men on the ice. Like, I get it. Every team needs the player that they all blame when things go wrong. And unfortunately for the Avs, it's Sam Gerrard. Unfortunately. Yeah. So it was a tough play. And I also think that this play highlights Adonan does have some work to do. I, his side to side was just okay as it was all night. And a lot of people were pointing that out as well, watching him play. Like, there's still work to do with Adonan. And the defense played really well in front of him. But only given up one goal in an NHL game in what his like third, fourth career. Second. Yeah. His Second. First, yeah. His first start of the season and was a really good game for Ananen. The only one he gave up was just off of an unlucky play that kind of had him a little exposed. But the Avs, they played probably one of their best defensive games of the season. They really kept the Blues out of his way. And time they did get shots through, it was Ananen looked really confident. Yeah, he looks solid, but they made it. They made life easy for him. The Avs did, and that was good to see. Um, we did mention Kale McCarr did play in this game for two periods and like a quarter. Um, he looked a little rusty. I'm not going to lie. There were a couple times that he he looked like he was still getting his legs underneath him. Uh, unfortunately, he takes that hit, and there's not much he can do. Uh, but having him back was important in this game. I thought he played okay. Uh, but the story of this game for the Avs was. Miko Rantanen finally breaks his season-long goal streak, goalless streak. Uh, he gets goal number 200, uh, a beautiful passing play by him and McKinnon, rips it home, his 35th of the year. 
Miko and McKinnon on the same line, just you forget how unfair they are sometimes, like when they're clicking. Uh, they've had to disperse like disperse the talent throughout the lineup because of the injuries. But when those two are together, they are dynamic and fun to watch. Yeah, it's one of the best duos in the NHL for a reason. When those two are clicking, there's really not a lot you can do to stop them. Ranson made a great pick play, opened up McKinnon. Back to Ranson, nothing Bennington can do on this play. It's one nothing abs. And I feel like the other big story for me is just how good Bowen Byram is yeah. right now at 21 years old like we've talked about, has not even played a combined 82 games in his career and is already this much of a game breaker. He's so talented. And yeah, he was a little rusty defensively coming out of injury and he's already cleaned that up and he's already turned into an offensive stud. He picks up two goals in this game. He made it two to nothing on a beautiful rush chance and then makes it four to one on the power play. Great setup by Gerard. He's just so confident. He's going to be so good on this team, score goals, keeping goals out of the net for so, so long. It's been such a shame that he's been hurt because we've been missing out on this for so long. He's so important to this team. He really is. And both shots were just great plays. I mean, that one, the first one, he jumps up into the rush off of a big save by Annan and just beats Bennington clean. Great snapshot. And then the second one, it was just a good power play for once, but it seems like forever. Um, believe it or not, like as bad as the Avs power play has been in this game, they do go two for four, which crazy to think about. Um, but that second one by Bo to just really put the game away, that was a great shot, man. Just, uh, we need Bo Byram to be the Bo Byram he can be that we saw in the playoffs and what we saw in this game, because like you said, he's not going to be the top pair because you have McCarr and Taves, but as a second pair defenseman, that is dangerous. Yeah. That is dangerous for him to be out there. Him and Manson are terrifying together. The fact that we already have Manson locked up and we're going to get Bo locked up in the offseason as well, like that is a nightmare for teams to be dealing with. Kale and Taze on the top pair. And there are nights that Byram and Manson are better than them. And Byram, Byram has such a high seal. He plays like he's 26 already and has been in the league for years. He makes all the smart plays. He knows how to get open. And that contract is going to be a really interesting thing to hash out this offseason. I don't know how he accepts a long a long-term deal with just, I don't know how the Avs give him a long-term deal. Yeah. And I think I think the Avs they should try because obviously there's the injuries and stuff, but even if he does get hurt on a short-term deal, he's still not playing regardless, but a healthy bow if you can find a way to keep that hit down over time, that's 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 worth the risk in my opinion. Could you imagine if they signed like a Manson type deal 4 by 4? <laughs> that would be predict. That would be broken. I, I would yeah. need. There'd probably have to be an investigation <laughs> into, into how the Avs pull this off with some of these guys. The fact that Lekkinen is on the contract that he's on, I for Byram, I think the most reasonable solution: two years, four million bucks, something in that ballpark, yep. most likely. But then he's going to get paid, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Once we get a full season of Bowen Byram developed, like 22, 23-year-old Bowen Byram, scary. that's horrifying. I would that's scary. I would not be shocked if on the big contract that Byram gets, if he gets close to Kale. Because let's also remember, let's also remember Kale is on a ridiculous contract as well. He yeah. should be getting well over $9 million, but that cap's going to go up. And if Byram goes the way I think he's going to go, I think 
a Heiskanen contract is definitely on the table, at very least. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our new sponsors at Raycon. This is the time of year everyone's making New Year's resolutions, talking about big changes, but most of the time, these are pretty unrealistic, and even the smallest changes can contribute to these habits. And I've found you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase for even the smallest things that can be a part of these big changes. For me, that has been my Raycon headphones. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. For me personally, my New Year's resolution has been running. My old headphones are staticky, they ran out of battery too easily. Ever since I switched, Raycons have fixed my routines and made them so much easier. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night, Raycon has you covered. And these are half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose. You can get a pair of headphones and a spare, a speaker, and you're still paying less than you would for even just one pair of headphones from other companies. And even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants you to make sure that you'll feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has a free and easy return guarantee. And best of all, Raycon's features are endless. Three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, crystal clear call quality, water and sweat resistant, hours of battery life. There's just no reason to not get in on this now. So if you're ready to buy something small with a big impact, go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Now, back to the episode. Very, but that's just why I think like the Avs are just so smart when it comes to this type of business and they can afford to take this gamble at this point. But if they could lock up, because maybe Byram doesn't want to take that bridge deal. Maybe he wants to burn the rest of his RFA years and he signs just that four by four or assigns a five by four. And you go, you get to that fifth year and you're like, how is Bo Byram only making $4 million? I, I really think that's a possibility. Um, but in this game, particularly you just saw the flashes and you're like if this guy can just stay healthy if he can just get some games under his belt he's going to be a top 10 defenseman in this league yeah i totally believe that the way he plays i i think it's special it's a perfect combination of skill and viciousness and just smart hockey iq he's got the full package he doesn't have the raw talent of kale mccarr but who does Kel McCarr is no his one. <laughs> and, the fact, and the fact that we could have Bo Byram be his sidekick for the next 15 years is broken. It's absolutely ridiculous. It is. It is. But Bo, fantastic game. Love to see it from Bo. Uh, he deserved it. Was he first star in this game? I can't remember. He should have been. He definitely should have been. Yes, he was. When okay, Byram, Byram, Ranton, and McKinnon in this game. Fair. I love that. Um, and then we already kind of mentioned too, uh, Don Lachushkin gets a goal in this game too. It was almost a kick, but, uh, he still counted. It was a goal. Um, and the abs really, they cruised, they cruised to an easy win. They took care of business. They should have beaten the blues. The blues were beaten up and they did it. Yep. These two games we've talked about third periods. These were their best third periods we've seen in well over a month. They took care of business against the blues. They scored two goals, two goals in the third period against the Blues, which was unheard of coming into this game. And they scored three against Edmonton. 
that's five goals in two third periods. That's more than we've had in the last like 15 third periods combined. Yeah. We, and I don't know about you, but when the Blues scored to make it 2-1, I just – I got a little nervous because it's like we've dominated this game. We do have our third string, maybe even fourth string goalie in. Like this is really just one shot away from being a totally different game. And the Avs responded. They played a great third period, and they deserved those two points. And I, I just – they just took care of business. That was the key in this game. They just took care of business. That was my main takeaway from this game as well is just you took care of business. You win into St. Louis against a team that's without Tarasenko and without Ryan O'Reilly and also without Pavel Buchnevich in this game, I believe, as well. I think he left. He got hurt in the game. Yeah, he left during the game. A team just missing talent up and down the boards. Jordan Cairo was quiet in this game. Robert Thomas was quiet in this game. Jordan Bennington, I mean, you know the Blues are dead, and even Jordan Bennington's not feeling it. He's just like, yeah, this was the first game in a long time. He didn't have any like crazy antics in it against the oh, Avs. He's like, what, what would he be fighting for at this point? It would just it would just be petty. Uh, it's it's fun. I don't know if you saw our, our our guy Blue fans reacts. He's just like we're tanking for Bedard at this point now. Honestly, and I honestly think as a fan, at least the Blues know what the direction they're going in. Like this team was kind of stuck. Now they get three first round picks in a loaded draft. Um, I don't think they'll have enough to tank all the way down, but they they could easily sneak into the top ten. Yeah, well, right now they are top 10. They have, as it stands right now in terms of points per game, they have the ninth overall pick. They've lost seven of their last 10 games. Philly is only one point behind them. The Habs are only five points behind them. If they do this right and they really tear this down, they could maybe not get Bedard, but they can probably end up with the sixth, seventh overall pick maybe. And you never know. As it stands right now, they have a 5% chance at Connor Bedard. They do. What is Pavel Buchnevich's contract? I, it's a while, I think, off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure he signed recently. Bushnevich, where... Oh, okay, it's not as long as I thought. He's 5.8 for two seasons after this. That's eh, a little too much. A little too much. I was thinking maybe the Avs could sneak that in. Because um, he'd be sick on this team. I don't think the Blues are in any hurry to be trading that. No. Any what hurry. about Brandon Saad? You think Brandon Saad may come back? The, where is... Is he hurt? Where is Saad? Yeah, he's on IR. We got... Three years after this at 4.5. That'd be cool if we got Brandon Saad back. <laughs> I, I would love Brandon Saad back on this team. but I don't think it's going to happen, but the, just, just spitballing. At very uh, least, not at this deadline. Yeah, not this deadline. But the Blues, they're, they're dead. It's great to know that Darren Helm killed them. Um, and the Avs really like, if you think about it, the Avs stopped them in yeah. so many years. Like I didn't get, I didn't watch the Blues feed, but uh, AJ from DNVR I think was and was keeping us all up to date on all of the excuses that were being made that the Avs' success is because of the altitude, which is why we had a better road record this season and road record in the playoffs. So the the yeah. home the home thing was my fault. Let's all remember that. But and uh, they never got a chance to defend their title because of COVID. You lost that one. I will give them a little bit of a reprieve for that one. Sucked. I, I would have if they didn't lose to the Canucks. You lost. You lost to Vancouver. I really yeah. don't hear it. Fair, but I, they were one of the they top were. teams. Yeah, in they the were. League until that they happened. were. I. They. I think they were the top team in the West at that point. And yeah, yep. you know, they, they did get screwed by that, but so did everybody. Yep. They lost except Tampa. Except yeah. Tampa. Yeah, Tampa did not. But also, you lost to Vancouver. So yes. I'm. I'm not really interested. But yeah. yeah. Gotta love that from the Blues yeah. all the time. But we're done with them this season. The Avs win three of four. And again, 
whole theme of this game, take care of business. And now you look at the standings. We're recording this before the Jets game against the Devils. We're doing this right after the game against Edmonton. So right now, the Avalanche are two points behind the Winnipeg Jets. And by the end of the night, we will find out if the Devils beat the Jets. The Avs will then have a game in hand after that. But obviously, if the Jets win, they'll move that back up to four. But the Avs will again have the game in hand. This is where things are getting interesting because Dallas, I have never seen a, a last 10 record like this. Three, two, and five. It's impressive. I, that's that is impressive. They lost five games in overtime, and the Jets are five and five. And I really hope that Joe Sackick and Kevin McFarland send Yarmo Chris Kevin. McFarland. Yeah. Chris McFarland. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid. Who is Kevin McFarland? Why does that name seem familiar? Who is that? Know. Yeah. <laughs> I, sometimes I'm just, I'm just talking. But anyway, my joke was is that I hope they send Yarmo Kekalainen in a fruit basket for the way the Blue Jackets have taken care of business against those two. And we'll see if the Devils can take care of business against the Jets tonight. They have Jack Hughes back, and the Jets have just been okay recently. So, they got off to a hot start. It was kind of exactly what we predicted. This team is they're they're solid, but they they aren't great. Yeah, like you knew this issues. They went to a shootout with the crack. I mean, the Jets, the, the Jets have only played three games since the all-star yeah. break, which is weird. They've played Chicago, Seattle, and Winnipeg. And they're going to play three games before we play them on the 24th. They have the Devils tonight, obviously. They have the Rangers tomorrow by the time you're listening to this. Tough game. And then the Islanders on Wednesday, all on the road. So that's they, a tough road trip, man. They could lose all three. But they also could win all three. And then all of a sudden, their lead is back up to like eight. Eight by the time of games in hand. Yeah, but with plenty of games in hand. But things are starting to get interesting now in the West. Dallas is looking just okay recently. They held on for a big win against the Wild, or no, the Wild won that game. Yeah, the Wild. Yeah, and Minnesota also very annoyingly beat Nashville today at the last second. So that sucked. But it's still. It's still it's going to be interesting. I, I think the Avs are in a prime spot. Uh, of all those teams you just listed, the Avs are playing the best hockey out of all of them. Like it, it's just flat out. That's yep. where it is. You look at we, the the West as a whole. The only team with the better last ten record is L.A. Somehow, but the Avs they're they're coming on here. This is a very real thing. They have a real chance to win the way. I didn't even say how far they were behind Dallas. They're five points behind Dallas with two games in hand. This is very real. It's very, and I, I wouldn't be shocked because, like we've talked about this entire before this whole stretch started, we talked if the Avs can go like seven, three, and one in these games in February, you're in a really good spot because then in March, your schedule lightens up significantly. Um, and getting seven of eight points in these four games, these two back to backs, is absurd. And you aren't honestly, they probably should have gotten all eight if you, if you, that Tampa game, they, they should have won that Tampa game. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they lost the first two games of the month, they they couldn't hold on against Pittsburgh. They got blown out by Tampa. You you scratch those two games. The Avs have gotten points in every single game this month. They've really started to take care of business. And I really hope that this four day break does not screw up their momentum because what the hell is this schedule? It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. Um, why they're screwing the Avs so much in this, I'll have no idea um, because you have Winnipeg. Uh, on Friday, I imagine we'll talk about that more, but the schedule just for the point of the matter is you got Winnipeg and then Calgary. You're going to have the same situation you had today where Calgary is going to be waiting in Denver for you to come back. 
make that make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The same thing we had with with the Oilers day. They were waiting in Denver for us. It doesn't make any sense. You have what's probably going to be a bloody game against Winnipeg. Like that's a really that's a huge game for both teams. Where Minnesota was the most important game of the season. Now this is the most important game of the season, and it is for the Jets as well. You're on the road, and then you have Calgary after that. I hope you can do the same thing you did in this back-to-back. You take care of business against Winnipeg and Calgary. You do what you can, but obviously Georgiev is going to start that game against the Jets, and you're probably going to have Ananen going again against Calgary. Yeah, and we'll talk more about the previews for that game because we're going to have a lot of time on Thursday's episode. But we just wanted to touch on the fact we were texting during the game after that Minnesota game happened. If you look at this past week for Minnesota, they've had the Avs on the second half of a back-to-back. They lost. They had Dallas coming in, not on a back-to-back, but I believe it was three and four games for them. Um, And then they get Nashville on the second half of a back-to-back. What the fuck is this scheduling in HL? Like, that is ridiculous. And all those games are at home. All of them. It makes zero sense. Yeah, you look at the rest of their schedule this month. They have the Kings on Tuesday at home. And oh no, some adversity. They have Columbus. They're going on the road to play Columbus. And they play Toronto in Toronto the next night. The poor Wild. And then they come back home and play Columbus again and finish the month against the Islanders. I'm not one to really cry bullshit on schedules, but this is a little ridiculous. It just makes no sense. Like, how does a team benefit that much from it? And we talked about this. We'll need someone to go do some deep diving for us into the scheduling when they have time. Have the Avs faced a team on the second half of a back-to-back where they're rested? Because I don't recall that happening this year. I, I really can't either. There have been times where we've both been on second halves. Right. I don't know if we've had a sludge game for the other team. I feel like we've had like three of them at very least. Two of them this month and then the one against Calgary to start the season. I'm sure there's been one more in there mixed in too. But it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of why are we doing this and other teams don't have this. And they get to benefit from it because like think of Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay played a back-to-back, but their first half was against the Avs. And then they lost Arizona the next night. Yeah, they played um, Arizona the next game. That's a little that's a little bit different than the team that is currently nipping at our heels in the playoffs. Right. It it's just it's weird scheduling. I I would really like if someone does find that out for us and they tweeted at us, I would greatly appreciate that information. Because I don't think the Avs have faced a team on the second half of back to back yet. I just don't. Um so maybe that'll change in the other part of the season, but this just seems just like the most ridiculous schedule. And like, look at Winnipeg tonight. They're playing New Jersey on the second half of a back-to-back. Like all the other teams in front of the abs are benefiting from teams playing back-to-backs, which why is the NHL, why are we having so many teams play back-to-backs right now? Why are back-to-backs just becoming so normal? Like I know they've always been normal, but shouldn't we be trying to have as few of these as possible? Because right. these are not good for players. These are not good for teams. And let's be honest, in situations like this, they're flat out bullshit. They're not fair. I'm not even just saying that from an Avs perspective. Anytime you're on the second half of a back-to-back and another team is not, that gives them a ridiculous advantage. There was one good thing the NHL did in COVID, and that was back-to-back games. You played the same team twice. Yeah. If you're going to do back-to-backs, do it that way. Yeah. Let's let's have more home-and-homes. Right. Have a game in one city, the one game, and then the next day, have it in the other. Both teams are on the second half. Both had to travel to the same place. The playing field is still level. It makes too much sense. and It's just too hard, you know. Like we're not, not going to do that. It'll take too I, long. 
it seems weird because like I've noticed there's a lot of teams playing back-to-backs like Dallas lost to Columbus yesterday, but they were playing the second half of a back-to-back in that game. Like it makes no sense. Yeah. February has been one of the strangest schedules I have ever seen, not just for the abs, but for almost every team has been absolutely all over the place. Right. Like you almost expected this last year with the Olympic break and you, this is the crazy schedule you expect. Like, I don't know. It, it makes no sense. Um, but I agree. I, I think it should be like if we had dumb rules to fix hockey, which we should create a list at the end of the year with like all of our dumb ideas to improve hockey. Get I, rid I of back to back. That would be an eight hour show. Yeah, it would be like we just do. You get rid of back to backs. If the season gets extended, you just had it happen last year. Where your season got extended all the way into almost July and it was completely fine. Yeah, Like you can obviously do it. Yeah, the less sports are on when you're finishing up your season, the better. And also, this will never happen. 82 games might be too many. We've seen that a lot. I I love to watch as much hockey as I can, but we all have to admit, this slogs on a little bit, especially as we're in December and January. It really isn't until February that you're like, oh, shit, okay, here we go. Got to lock in. Yeah, the beginning of the season is always fun because that's when it starts, but... Even if my other idea is move the trade deadline up. Yeah, I think that would help a lot too. That'd be fun. We'll save all that for an off season episode, but that's a good idea. Book that for the off season where it's like dumb ideas. We think that can improve hockey. Yeah. I'll finish with this. Maybe shorten the season a little bit more in division games and home and homes. I think that, I think that would be great theater for the most part. Agreed. The abs, they get four of four. And on the topic of the trade deadline, we found out before the game that another one of potential Avs options will not be coming here because he's staying. Jonathan Taze will remain a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. He's been dealing with effects of long COVID. And what was the other thing he said? Like an immunocompromise disease? Yeah. Yeah, he was dealing with that, I think, a couple seasons ago that held him out for a bit. And so he's going to stay in Chicago. He does not feel healthy enough to go and help a team win a Stanley cup right now. He came to that conclusion with the team. So that takes him off the board. Ryan O'Reilly is off the board. And so center options may be starting to dwindle a little bit for the abs. We're going to save most of this for next episode, but this is something that did happen before the game. So it is worth talking about, but center options are starting to dwindle. I still like Adam Henrique but I don't really know how that's going to work cap-wise and into right. next season with Comfer and Rodriguez and everything. And here it is. Chronic immune response syndrome is the other thing. He's been dealing with symptoms of long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome. I was filibustering until I could find the quote. <laughs> it was, it's been really challenging to play through these symptoms in the last few weeks. It has reached the point where I had no choice but to step back and concentrate on getting healthy. I'm thankful for the patience and support of my teammates, the coaching staff, and the entire Blackhawks organization. That is the statement from Jonathan Taze. He will not be leaving Chicago. So trade deadline, that's another guy off the board, Ryan O'Reilly, already a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And really interested to see what the Avs have up their sleeve. If they have much, I just... It's going to be someone we're not expecting. I've just already accepted that. It's going to be a player where you're like, oh, I didn't even know the Avs were in on this guy, and all of a sudden we get it. I don't know. Speaking man. of trade deadline targets, so Patrick Kane has a hat trick against the Maple Leafs already. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have that one on here as well. But yeah, Kane picking up the hat trick there. 
He still hasn't made a call. Let's give an early prediction. Where is Kane going to go? I'm, I think he goes to Dallas. I hope not Dallas. Uh, well, actually, he's terrible defensively. Because um, it's not the Rangers. It's not no. the Blues anymore. And I don't I, think the Devils are in on him. I still feel like the Sabres are a sneaky place for him. If they sign him, I would agree. In the offseason, I'm with you on that. For a trade deadline, they haven't been playing well enough. To- they haven't been playing well enough, but that just seems sneaky for me. Yeah. Um, the Stars make a lot of sense. I think the Oilers may be in on him a little bit. Uh, just because the Oilers are stupid, they may make that trade. Um, I don't really know. I, the Stars make a lot of sense. I wouldn't rule out Boston. I think Boston could be a place for him. Um, which I think would make Boston worse if they make that trade. So go go for it. Uh, Boston, I'm interested to see what they're going to do because they've been rumored to be oh, Timo Meyer and Jacob Chikrin or like Vlad Gavrikov or yeah. whatever. So, I mean, it's trade deadline is 12 days away. It's going to be a lot of dust still to settle. And I'm interested to see what the ads have up their sleeve. But I think I think we're better off saving that for Agreed. for for Wednesday <laughs> when we have nothing to talk about. Yes. Exactly. And then you get a whole episode, another episode of it. Um, but man, two great games from the Avs, uh, seven of eight points in these two sets of back-to-backs, one more back-to-back to go next week. You couldn't ask for much more from the Avs in these two games. They battled against Edmonton. They took care of business against St. Louis. Hopefully get some guys back healthy. Maybe Kale McCarr is good to go by the time you face Winnipeg wearing a cage, which would be very funny visual if he's wearing a cage. Um, but you can't ask for much more from the Avs. You nope. can't. No, the fact that they got four of four on this going up against Edmonton, tough team to be playing rested on the second half of a back-to-back, held McDavid to a single point, battle back from three nothing down and five three down to win it in overtime without Kale McCarr is easily one of the most impressive things this team has done all season, if not the most impressive. So hopefully this jump starts this team as we really hit the home stretch. Two points behind the Jets as it stands right now. And we're going to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. As always, use promo code Tell It As It Is for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But again, thank you so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.